new video game? Bullshit. Alright, so welcome to VGBS Podcast. Basically, I got my, my buddy DJ Saramaru Mastermind himself hanging out. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Do a little intro. Tell everybody who you are. Uh, well, I'm Saramaru. Uh, I'm backing this wonderful book <laughs> called NES Oddities and Homebrew. The hell is that? And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Some, some book some dude made. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, the oddities is doing a little crazy. Um, so as of the time of this recording, the Kickstarter is less than 20, 24 hours. We just hit the um, the next stretch goal. So I think I kept that a simple one where it's just a, um, a bookmark. But we already hit the social media stretch goal to get a double-sided bookmark. So we're getting a double-sided bookmark. Cool. Yeah, I saw you guys uh, just hit the twenty thousand mark. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy one because I mean, as um I I alluded to, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a a certain PC engine game, and you may know the woes of crowdfunding and what the heck is a PC engine? A PC engines, <laughs> and the Turbo Graphics is, um and and you know, as you know, crowdfunding can be a little intensive. Uh, like a, another job, and I already work a job working on multiple books. Like I didn't have time to micromanage this one, so I kind of was a little more hands off this time around. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, as you know, like you cannot promote these things enough. Right. Yeah, that's actually the biggest thing with Kickstarters is you have to heavily promote them. Yeah, I mean, constantly push them on social media. I, I feel like we we all have to push our stuff on social media to where it's like everybody's annoyed by it because they see it so much, but it's really <laughs> not the case because you guys, just like me, have went to a lot of conventions, and no matter how much you feel like it's out there, like it's seriously like not enough because there's still people out there that don't know we exist. It's insane. Right. Yep. <laughs> I agree. It could never be out there too much. Exactly. And, and so, um, Saru over here hinted at the NES Oddities. Well, he is the one of the masterminds behind Henshin Engine for the TurboGrafx-16 PC Engine, among multiple other consoles. Many multiples. <laughs> Many multiples of multiples. And so we're going to definitely in a little bit here chat about that. But I want to go over a few of the things that are in the news regarding homebrews. But first of all, I want to vent frustration against GameStop. <laughs> like, no. my goodness. So, um, I pre-ordered a Switch. And in time of recording, Switch tomorrow's the launch. Um, no. So I had to pre-order one of the bundle packs. So I had to pay more than retail, but I get like three or four games, including a couple that I probably won't enjoy. Um, and it's still showing pending in my oh, PayPal. No. <laughs> so there's no way that they're shipping oh, it. There's yeah, no way. No. So bummer. So, and I don't think it's GameStop's fault looking back at it because it looks like it's been pending since the 25th, which means they probably tried to charge me on the 25th 
The problem is, is the account I used is the one I used to um, pay for books, and I paid for a book print run, and I don't think there was enough to cover it for the first time. Oh, no. So I think it was me, and all I need to do is get a hold of GameStop so, to say, hey, here is another account to charge it to. I give them my main account. We just It's after the first, and... <laughs> I can't get a hold of anybody because of the switch craziness right now. So absolutely, that's the problem. Like I can't get a hold of them. I went um, at si- I think it was like six thirty. I put it on speakerphone. Just was watching some YouTube videos, and just about fifteen twenty minutes ago, I was still in hold, and they closed it like their tech support thing closed at eight. So there's no way in hell that they're they were gonna like come back on. So yeah. super interesting. Oh, what a bummer, man. Yeah, it's it is what it is, and I've I've been reading a lot of um, people like I, Johnny Riggs over on Facebook saying that his local place is getting fifty of them, and so if that's the case, there'll be a couple. Yeah, I think there's gonna be I I, I think there's gonna be <clears throat> plenty of stock. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be especially with with how the Wii U went over. Um, even the Wii U sold out, and they they got stocked pretty darn quick. So yeah, I think it should be okay. Well, my thing is is and where I need to talk to somebody on it though is I had two different orders. My other order was the Breath of the Wild limited special edition version. Two two switches? No. You flip the other one? No, not a switch. The Breath of the Wild special edition game. Oh, I see. Just by itself. Gotcha. Okay. By itself. Yeah. And that one wasn't. It was like a hundred bucks or whatever it was for that that special edition. So that's in the account though. So if they tried to charge it, it should be there. Like so, I don't know. That that's the glitch in the system to me. Is that so? You had two two separate orders <coughs> and they charged you for one, but didn't charge you for the other. They're both pending. That's the confusing oh, part. Gotcha. And okay. and at minimum, if they charged Breath of the Wild, it would have went through. Yeah. See, that sounds like that sounds like it, it might be a problem on their side. Well, if you if you think you had enough to cover the game, they'll they'll try to take one. And I swear that when you pre-ordered the Switch stuff, you had to pay immediately. And um, I I swear yeah. I did. Like I swear the money came out. Yeah, I, I, I know Amazon does, and I swear that the money came out when I did. I mean, I could be wrong, and I could just be... That's why I want to call them and talk to them and see what their process yeah. is, because I could be crazy. Um, <clears throat> so... the Amazon route. Yeah. The, the interesting aspect, though, and, you know, by the time, again, this airs, it'll be mitigated, but um, I the order I made was for a second printing of the complete SNES that I have not launched, that I have not announced yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because the Kickstarter's going on. I don't want to cause confusion, yeah. mass hysteria. Right. Um, and <laughs> Why is this happening? And, and, as, and as I've alluded to on old podcasts, which aren't even aired yet, um, I'm aware of Reddit threads that are commenting on my, my books. And I have, like, wow. Reddit, I have lots of stuff dedicated to people um, opinionating or putting out their opinions about my works, which is fine. A lot of it unprofessional. You know, that's where I get a little weird about it, but yeah. um, I take everything with a um, a grain of salt when it, when it comes to people being a little salty, and I um, I look into it, and so a lot of people complained about the, the Joe Simcoe cover 
um, the Super Nintendo man. Uh, my buddy Jim, who actually, um, it was Earthworm Will Jim, came in online for a second there. I don't know if he's going to listen in or not. But um, I used his art for uh, a cover, for the cover. And it's Ganon versus Link, but it's side profile. And it's a different piece of art than what's in the book. So that way it annotates the um, the second version. And then the other aspect that I did with this thing was I updated or upgraded the um, the pages to be glossy, which oh, nice. initially they recommended that I don't do that because if people wanted to write in the book to check off games, it might be hard. But their glossy isn't super glossy, so once I checked it out, I'm like, well, it's not that glossy. Like, I don't know what they're what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, e- but either way, it's a lot nicer too, right? Well. What it does is it it fixes almost every issue that people had. Some people said that some of the images were a little dark, making it glossy lightens them up. It yeah, I think I'd go with the glossy route. Mm Mhm. And it's it's barely any more money, like probably less than a dollar per book. Like it's no, there's no reason not to upgrade. It upgrades everything. Now, here's where the issue comes in. <laughs> so I got the order today in the mail. A um, bunch of boxes delivered. I open it up, and it is jacked up. Uh-oh. Um, they apparently took the original cover size and printed it on the new one. The glossy pages are about a quarter of an inch. The whole book's a quarter of an inch thinner. So the cover, just the spine, is a quarter of an inch bigger. So the spine is not even connected to the book on any of them. They're all messed up. Oh, no. So it, and it's not like a, a dent or something where I could, like, you know, discount it or something. Like, can't right. do it's that. Like, yeah. You can't even sell them. It looks bad. Like, I, I wouldn't oh, even man. sell it. Like, like I'm, I was chatting with uh, Rewind Mike um a little bit ago, like, just on Facebook, and I was like, I don't know, I can't sell them. His suggestion and mine, he said I could, like, fix it on my own, but he didn't realize it was actually too thick. I might have, there's some local binderies around here, I might have them rebind it into something and make a special version, like, maybe either rebind it into a new, um new cover that they print or maybe leather or something else that or maybe like not expensive leather or something i don't know because they were um this was 25 um okay but 25 is like 1500 (laughs) dollars like it's not like it's jump change like i i my, my profit margin on these is when i'm not doing a major kickstarter run is like a dollar or two like it's no. it's really low. I like and on the Kickstarter, the profit margin allows me to roll it back in and do some other cool stuff with the project. Like I purposely do it like that to so that way the books aren't a hundred dollars a piece. Um, right. But on the other side, like this is my hobby, so I figure you know in order to get the books printed, this is a, a good way to go about it. Is while I'm still working, I can you know still eat. <laughs> but yeah that's crazy though like isn't that that's going to cut into your profit margin right if you have to rebind these books well uh the the printer that i use the printing company i'm going to call them tomorrow 
Um, typically, whenever I have an issue like this where it's out of my control, because the um, the guy that I deal with in sales, he sent me a new cover, a new cover template, because he said it would be smaller. I made a new cover. The, the cover itself, when I look at the book, it looks a little blurry. So it looks like they blew, like stretched it to make it go on the bigger cover. So oh, yeah, so like, so I don't think it's my problem. And and they've always been really good about replacing it at no cost to me. Oh, good. Yeah. So I should at least have the twenty five, and then if I go rebind, that that'll be some money out of pocket. But all those books would essentially be whatever it costs to rebind it. Then at that point. So, I see. Yeah, and I didn't announce this either, but I think there's literally two copies of the first complete SNES in my left total, like two. Mm. <laughs> I ordered, I ordered like double or triple the amount of backers. They just my my store has been constantly people have been buying it because they go to the Kickstarter because it's the only Super Nintendo book. So yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's been successful. But it's like. It's one of those things where I've taken every little nuance that people have complained about. Um, another one that was good was they wanted um, the names of the games on each page. So, like, you know, I have the box art and screenshots and everything and the text. Well, they were saying sometimes, you know, it's a little hard to see the box art. I don't mention the game till a sentence in or two. Um, so I was like, okay. So I added the game names for every game. So that was a bit of an editing challenge. Um... But so yeah, the, so the second version of the Super Nintendo book would be pretty cool. But now I'm sitting here with boxes of books that I can't use. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> so yeah, that's my my current craziness. How's your how's your craziness with uh with production on the uh, the Henshin world? Oh man, uh, it's pretty much all I do nowadays. Even now that I'm sick, because I I first off something bit me on the lip like a spider i had like a like a two little like holes in my upper lip and i was Whoa. like what the heck and i touched and it like stung right yeah and the next day i woke up and my my upper lip was like completely swollen i looked like i don't know like kim kardashian or something like it was like super <laughs> super swollen and then after that i got i got a cold and the flu and right now i still i still have that cold it's still lingering oh wow but, uh but yeah i'm, I'm working on henshin uh Pretty much every day I do I do sprites. Um, I've been working on the webcomic a lot, so it it never stops regardless of, of what's going on with me. I I, I keep working on henshin stuff. Wow. So so for those who don't know that are listening on the cast, because I mean I think we've mentioned Henshin Engine a couple times, but we haven't went into a lot of detail. Um, henshin Engine is kind of a action platforming game that harkens back to a little bit of combination of like Castlevania and Strider and all these awesome tropes in a 16-bit style with anime. So like even in the um, chat room, like Sarumaru's icon is, is um, you know, the main protagonist from Henshin Engine. And like it's a it's an excellent like there's like little story with you know it's modernizing where you have a, a talking back and forth with the main character um, each level is based on a classic series and I've only played the demo which had the first couple but you have posted I think a trailer or two since then yeah we, we, we posted a video up of uh, the more recent build which is about uh, 50% in now Nice. Um, that build was where we're a little over fifty percent in the development of it, and um, 
that's for the PC Engine and the PC version. We're actually um, having we're working with other groups to get the other versions of Henshin Engine completed. Um, but right now, as it stands, the main version of the game is a is at about fifty five percent right now. Nice. Um, what was your because everybody on Kickstarter, the classic. That what was your um your goal for a date? Like to release. Uh, well, the original goal we had a tentative date of uh, the end of March, but we're we're not going to hit that because I made a bunch of changes to the game, um, which are going <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to implement. Because originally, when we first planned Henshin Engine, it was going to be pretty linear. You know, Yuki just had her; she could slash, and it was pretty much from left to right every stage with like maybe sixteen screens and a, a, a couple areas per stage. Well. We've actually doubled those those areas, so now all the areas are about four areas um, that are 16 screens or more now because the stages go up and down. There's exploration, and Yuki has a lot of power-ups. Like, she can slash, she can double jump, she can slide, she can charge shot. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you guys stuff. have done some awesome stuff. And, I mean, the, the good thing about um, you guys and a few of the other Kickstarters that I've backed that are homebrew style is that you guys are constantly updating and yeah. as long as it's, it's not like I don't hear from people from a year, like everybody seems to be really um, f- okay with that because you guys are building an yeah. amazing yeah, IP. And everyone's cool with it. Like nobody, nobody has had any any issues. Actually, on the contrary, everyone's been really positive about it, and they're they're glad that we're taking the time to make these changes. Um, on the YouTube yeah. comments, the the backer comments, they've all been positive. Everyone likes the changes that we're making, and and we try to be as transparent as possible. Too. That's um, what that's yeah. what a Kickstarter and crowdfunding and even you know Facebook and YouTube. That's what it's all about is the right. community. So you're involved in the community. Like if if anything, we're all everybody is part of the process. Of course, yep. Everybody is is everyone's pretty much an investor, and and that's yeah. what what Kickstarter really is. Is that everyone is investing in into your project. So you gotta yeah. let all your investors in on your project. Uh, at any given time, and I think we, we do a pretty good job with that. I think we, we do a good job at letting everybody know uh, what's going on with the project. Nobody's in the dark about it. Everybody knows what's happening at every stage. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's one of those things where, um, I don't know if you realize, but my first Kickstarter in uh, 2015, the um, Complete NES, had Black Box Challenge, a, a new Nintendo RPG associated with it, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's making an RPG where you collect games in it. So he's still working on it. But it was literally, it's almost been a year since our date. Because I think it was May of 2016 that it was supposed to be done by, or maybe June. And initially he told me it would take him six months. So that would have been November of 2015. Yeah. I said, I'll give you an extra six months because nobody ever hits the time. Um, right. Well, he ran into an issue of like just simply he was doing four-way scrolling on the Nintendo, which has never been done. And there's a oh, wow. bit that's allocated for that in the programming that even in the emulators, they've changed it to something else because nobody's ever used it. So he couldn't test. So he ran into some roadblocks trying to get people to update emulators. Like Now he's been making tons and tons of... Um, updates and things and he's been posting videos and making it a hundred percent interactive now awesome but yeah everybody still has been really cool it was like i would say 
maybe after about six months after the due date, they started to get a little restless because I would only post a little bit here and there and I would say, go check out the Facebook. So now I've just been taking what he posts to Facebook and summarizing it. And I'm still doing monthly updates. updates. Yeah. And I'm still doing monthlies. Um, and the irony is, is my Super Nintendo Kickstarter will be 100% send out as soon as the Leatherbound Tomes come in the mail, which should be next week, I think, was the due date from the other bindery that I know. There's there's one up in Milwaukee that's from the 1800s that is binding the books into leather and sending them back for the backers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's 750 pages with both with both books. It's insanity. Um so that'll be coming in the mail, and then that'll be a hundred percent sent out. And I actually beat my my street date for the Super Nintendo. This complete SNES, the compendiums took an extra month. But thing is, is I'm doing books, not making games. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a beast, man. And I, I was giving uh, actually a uh, Granado, Joe Granado, doing Mystic Searches, uh, did an update just before the recording, talking about his prequel that he made for the game jam um and he's posting a teaser thing but here's what he posted was is that the first playthrough on a cartridge on real hardware and so i said okay so um i need to play this on real hardware i only play games on hardware and reason why i say that is because in his last update to the backers he said he's only gonna make origins available via a computer emulator that he's going to give to people and i'm like Dude, I'm, I only play Nintendo on the Nintendo. Like, you can give yeah, me... Yeah, like, put it I, on a ROM and stick it in a EverDrive or something? Well, I don't think he wants it to be on a ROM to get out there. So I was like, well, oh. number one, I'll buy a cartridge. <laughs> like, like that's okay. I'll pay for the parts or, you know, you sell it for with the artwork and everything for, you know, make yourself a profit for it. Just do a prequel profit. I will buy that. That's fine because... You know, he's, his uh, game prices are reasonable, just like yours are. Like, everybody's game prices are fine. You guys are making new stuff. Like, I want to support. Um, yeah. I mean, the other side is is that do do some other way to keep it controlled. I don't know. But I just want to play it on actual... If I'm playing it on an emulator, in a, you know, yeah. a controlled emulator on a computer. I, I like to play it on, on actual hardware whenever I can. Yeah. Unless it's for convenience reasons. Well, because, like, you guys put Henshin on a you know CD for the PC Engine CD. And super. But we also have it. We 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 display it. One is on a Raspberry Pi called the Emu, which is mm-hmm. a device made by Gamers Tech. And then the other thing we have it on is, of course, the PC Engine. We have it on a PC Engine Dual R, um, and we usually have both setups running side by side. Yeah, I, and, I have uh, a Dual R myself, so that's what I played yours in. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, I only I haven't actually the the second one that I got from you guys because I got an original version that I um I I broke because of the glitches. I didn't break the disc, but I broke the coding because <laughs> there was a co- oh right, that's right. Yeah, you, you, I remember you sending me some really weird glitches. Yeah, like I beat I, I beat the uh, the the boss of the um the demo and he was just like exploding and falling off the screen right. in an infinite loop. It was awesome. I was like, is it supposed yeah. to do this? You're like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's broken. <laughs> but it's cool, though. I mean, it, it's a demo though, so I saw I thought it was cool as hell either way. Like I'm I was happy. Like it was awesome and it plays great. And you know, now that you're implementing all these bonuses, it's like, ooh, 
it's gonna be outstanding. And yeah, I mean, I gotta get you. I gotta get you a the newest build so you can try out. Oh yeah, well, did you guys did send me a a different one? I don't know if that's the newest build or not. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, that one's that one's probably like I don't know, maybe thirty thirty percent in maybe. Well, and and uh, the and the thing is, is that like I'm a advocate a huge homebrew collector so like i even like variants and i'll it'll all be part of some kind of henshin setup in the in the future because obviously <laughs> you alluded to an nes homebrew coming in the future you know which could I be sure which could be years down the line but we're guess what time goes on i'm patient yeah, well, we're we're hoping first quarter next year but, um, yeah, but don't don't rush it either. Like it's right. If you guys want to well, make it into its own thing, Wampoku graffiti style, you know, we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's gonna be pretty much um, the same game, except really stripped down as far as the color palette goes. Um, as you heard, I sent you a, I sent you a couple of the uh, chip tunes that the guys who are who are doing the port worked on. Absolutely. Did you have a chance to listen to those? Yeah, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, it's stage the first two stages, um, so it's all going to sound like that. So, uh, if yeah, if, if anything, I listened to it too much because I put it on on loop for a while while I was editing my book. Like, <laughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> so it's it's good cool. it's good stuff though. But yeah. So um, I don't know if you've uh, followed any of the the chat rooms or anything, but actually in the VGBS chat and I think on the Future Books chat room over here. Um, there's a there's a couple of things that I've been working on, and so there may be it might be a way that we can incorporate some Henshin Engine into a future project I'm doing. Um, yeah, I mean at least um, the inclusion of the uh, NES version somewhere. Well, no, I'm talking about something a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Oh. Um, oh. So so I got this series I'm working on now. This is like we're talking not even a year, like longer probably. Um, but I'm working on it. It's called... Uh, have you ever pl- uh, read the Twista Plots or Choose Your Own Adventure books back in the day? No. They were like really small little books. And you basically... You're reading it, It's a narrative in second person talking about a guy. And it says, all right, do you want to go left or go down the hole into the basement? Like, like you get to choose. And it says, if you go left, flip to page six. If you go here, flip to page oh, 20. Yeah. Okay, I've seen, I've seen similar, similar books. Yeah. Okay. So I've always wanted to do the, one of those as a kid, and I was always a huge fan of the Worlds of Power books back in the day. I don't know if you remember those. Vaguely familiar. So there's ten books. They're all based on Nintendo games. There's a Blaster Master, yeah. a Ninja Gaiden, a Mega Man 2, and those are all insane. They go into depths of the story that aren't covered in the games. So, like, they kind of do a little little craziness. And I think some of the stuff in Blaster Master was incorporated into a future version of the game. Like, maybe Blaster Master 2 or the one for the PlayStation. So, like, they, they're interesting. Well, that's what I want to do. I'm calling it Twisted Realities. And... Ooh. And I've already started writing the Black Box Challenge one, which basically, you know, I'm going to have a character that's in the real world that has, you know, a dog, there's a female neighbor or something. It's going to be um, written at the middle school level, so that way I can try to market this to, like, you know, Barnes & Noble or something. Like, make it, get it right, out there. Yeah. 
Um, and that's what those were all written to as well. They're all written at middle school level. So it's going to be like a kid, but it's going to be a kid with a retro gaming collection. <laughs> and yeah. and instead of jumping into Nintendo, why don't we jump into the world of homebrew games? Since they're being oh, wow. made, we don't necessarily mention that it's a game world in the book narrative. But, you know, on the cover it says, as per in this game, it's a cross-collaboration. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be the Nintendo henshin in the future. It could be any Just of them. <laughs> story in general. Exactly. And I've been working with uh, Moto Glass, or Moto's Glass, from the guy that was over at Portland. Um, I don't know if you saw Moto's Glass at PRGE last year. Uh, was he... He has the neon lights with all the glass yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, with all yeah. the glass, yeah. So... He had this box set that he had a bunch of Nintendo glasses in. Well, his guy, because he has a guy who does the boxes, is working on a NES wooden box like that's that fits like an NES box, and conveniently, the size of my paperback books, which is the exact same size of the old Worlds of Power books, fits in between two of the wooden things, and then a, f- a complete inbox game fits right in front of it perfectly. So I'm nice. just... So, like, basically, like, whatever game I write about, I could do... Um, take it to crowdfunding. Well, exactly. And then you're thinking, like, there's a version where you market it with the game, and the people who make the games can, you know sell a game with it too and it's about the game so then afterward you know in the narrative i write you know in the end he's playing it so like basically with black box challenge he's he wants to play this newest game that his dad got him or whatever but his mom says go play outside so playing outside falls asleep gets transported into it you know twisted reality and into the world and then he does the whole world there's a whole story in there that i'm gonna loosely base on you know the game it'll be based on the world of the game but the story will be unique to that guy's atmosphere right um so obviously if he gets sucked into henshin engine you have a very strong protagonist who does a strong story so he would likely join her some crazy Ooh. thing. Some crazy thing. But, like, I would just get creative with it from an 80s writing standpoint, or it's cheesy as shit. Like, that's the right. key. That's the key. Yeah, is, you know, that stuff is fun, man. Yeah. Like, I think I think people would really dig that. And, I mean, I would be, like, we're talking right now. Like, it wouldn't be like a, oh, I'm going to write crazy stuff about your characters. Like, you're going to know what's going to be written because we're going to talk it out, and I'm going to share it as it goes on. Like, that's how it's going to be with any game that I do, and... Like, I, um, let me see, did I put it in the future book projects? If you scroll up, possibly, maybe not. No, I didn't. I'm, I'm a terrible human being. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's actually in VGBS chat. If you scroll up, there, I posted two of them, uh, last week, two of the mock-up covers for Twisted Rallies. I did it just like the Worlds of Power, but I did one for Black Box Challenge and one for Battle Kid, Fortress Apparel. Oh, I see it. Yeah. yeah, so that's exactly how they look. They have that gilt stripe. That's just the classic '80s style. Um, the the irony is, is when they wrote those books back in the day, um, they had no authorization completely. Like, didn't um, 
get permission. It just says unlicensed, unauthorized on the front of each cover. Yeah. On there. It's crazy because they took like covers and everything. Because I remember seeing like a mm-hmm. Metal Gear one. I'm yep. like, that's like straight from the game. Yeah, they're all straight from the game. Yeah. I don't think that kind of thing would fly now, but since you're you're doing homebrew, that's perfect. Exactly. Because you know, you'll be working with with the people who are making these games. That's awesome. I I think that's a really cool idea. I think you should you should definitely do it, and I'm I'm totally on board with that. Excellent. Yeah, because because like some of some of the homebrew um creators are are really um particular. And one guy's like, oh, I don't know, I'll have to see. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just trying to help everybody out, too. Like, like even when I'm doing this, uh, the best of homebrew box set that I'm doing for this Kickstarter, like, it's literally um, me. Like, the book is where I'm good. That's my thing. The games, I'm literally breaking even on because I'm buying 12 games. <laughs> Like, oh, wow. like so it's it's a 12 game box set with the wooden box um the box is also made by moto's glass but it fits all 12 games and a couple extras if people want to put them in there because he purposely made it a little bigger um but the thing is is that like with that box set like i think i'm putting uh f- at least i think about 500 dollars into it with all the games because i i told all the homebrew guys tell me what you want to charge for the card only and a manual if you have them um because i didn't want to make it mandatory for the manual it's all based on the homebrew developers and so some guys were like cool 20 some guys were like 40 whatever it was that they because i'm like i'm supporting so once i did all that i think it came out to about 500 so i was like all right the box has to be 600 with my two books which is 750 pages of books just like the last one this one's going to be the same um (laughs) Yeah, with both books, so it's like six hundred bucks, and so it's insanity. <laughs> That's cool, though. I I like that idea. You should really. Um, yeah, the twisted realities for sure. Yeah. yeah, man. So, so basically, what I'm what I'm doing is a million things at once, but my main focus is always on the current the current book that's on. Kickstarter. So right now it's NES Oddities. I should have that done within the month. Um, I've been writing on it for since I finished the Super Nintendo books, which was in the fall. Because once I finished Super Nintendo books, then I had to do the editing process and then the printing and all that. So I, it literally, yeah. it literally takes months to get it out. Um, so sure. so I've been working on it. It's already almost at 500 pages. I have everything laid out. I'm writing the Famicom reviews right now. Um, there's four, over four, 400 Famicom games that don't require Japanese to enjoy. Um, nice. That's yeah. The kind of stuff I like there. Oh, I mean, I'm it's all about Famicom. <laughs> like Famicom, all the import stuff. I'm big on import stuff. Well, absolutely, you are. <laughs> and my my thoughts are, if I'm gonna do a book, I'm not gonna do a book that somebody else has done. So, like, my NES book was all the licensed games with box art and screenshot. Nobody did that before me. Like, I wanted it, so I did it. That's why I did that book. Like, like I literally wanted to do something like that. Um, now there's been other people that have done similar things, but nobody did Super Nintendo, and everybody wanted one. So I yep. went Super Nintendo. Um, and then the oddities was like, well, I literally have been wanting to do a homebrew book forever. Um, that's one thing. And then I was like, well, I also had the unlicensed Apple exclusives already written for the complete NES, but we missed the stretch goal. So that was literally about, 
I want to say 80 pages, just those two sections. And I was like, well, I can't do an 80-page book. So I looked into Famicom, and then once I fleshed out Famicom and Famicom Disc, there's over 500 games. And, and then yeah. I, I I reached on Nintendo Age, and they're like, well, what about the unlicensed Chinese and Japanese games, like your Sachins and all those crazy ones? And so I have those going in in a section. Um, oh, wow. So those are already written. I got a bit of those, too. There, there are. Um, if you go just unique games, which is how I annotated it and didn't do any of the copies, it's a palatable list. It's It's different. Like... There's certain ones that are listed as, like, Volume 1 and Volume 2, 3, 4, 5. Like, I think it might be 1, 5, and 8 are the ones that were included because wow. they're the only ones that had unique games on them. And so it was it was a list that was um, – the guy on Nintendo H who suggested it had the list. So I, I utilized that, and I noted that in the, in the book. Um, the only thing I have left to lay out that I'm going to get creative with is every accessory ever released on Nintendo and Famicom. <laughs> like the crazy ones, um, I have the I have the list. I just got to gather it all up. Um, I may not write about them. I might just do a nice graphical layout for it. Right, make yeah, it look cool. That that might be. Uh, it's gonna be a lot to write about. There were there were tons tons mm-hmm. of accessories. Yeah, let me see. Especially how... if you're talking Famicom, there are tons. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do it like I don't know a um a a different style like. Like it's gonna be highlights definitely because there's there's no way that I can you know jump into it. Um, I also did play play choice ten and versus arcade games. <laughs> nice. Like already wrote them. Um, and I actually got high quality marquees. And I don't know if you knew about the toppers for the play choice ten. Yeah. Yeah, I have all wow. those all those already, and even the ones that weren't created. Like, um, I looked at them and they they're they're there now. <laughs> like I've made them, like so. Like I had a guy that I went through um, who who makes reproductions of them, and I was like, all right. So if they were gonna do a tennis one, and every all the other sports ones are written in text, so I just took the actual box art, box art and things. Um, so the accessories, I have eighty-two accessories. Um, that's not yeah. that many comparatively, because you, you homebrew guys, you got over five hundred and something homebrews. So, <laughs> like. Well, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Comparatively, um, and you know it, it's stuff from like the Aladdin deck enhancer to the Eno XP board. That's the Famicom expansion port um, with the original NES that mixes extra audio inputs from the cartridge slot. Yeah, I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like obscure stuff. Um, there's the laser scope and all those classics. There's stuff that nobody's ever heard of that's going to be in here. Um, but there's also probably not going to be every variant of every controller because it's just one of those things where I can only write about... And if I'm going to write it, I can only write about so many. Um, but on the so, other side, it's fun. I was going to ask you actually about... Um Going back to your uh, storybooks that you want to do. Oh yes. What, is that going to be the next step in in what you're doing as far as books? Or are you going to keep uh, putting out these compendiums and? Uh... So, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm going to let the backers choose um, every time. So with the Super Nintendo book, they want a complete Genesis. So that will be the next complete book. 
Um, the issue is, is that if anybody ever looks on the side of the complete NES, complete SNES, it says two and three. Uh, my first yep. book was released in Europe. I'm re-releasing it. It's already rewritten. I rewrote it in while I was doing the Super Nintendo book. I rewrote it. I have to lay it out in InDesign, but that's it. And so Hidden Gaming Gems, generation by generation, is already like 400 pages or something. It's insane. And it's waiting there. So I got to take that to Kickstarter this year just so um, I can get a print run. And I, I'm, I'm going to put small amounts on it just like I always do because any backers is a success for me. Um, I'm so then would it be safe to say that you, you're you likely going to be making a, like a Genesis compendium type thing? Or? Oh, the, the complete Genesis will be the next book I work on after the oddities for nice. the – Yeah. And, I mean, there's so many Genesis homebrews, too. Like, that... By the the Super Nintendo, the complete SNES, that is going to be more toward my standard of content, where I'm going to put it all in one, just because. Um, cool. Yeah. And so, like, while there's going to be a couple side tracks this year, because the oddities happened and then blew out of proportion, because I'm nuts. Um, and I was going to do, like, a 200-page book, and now it's 500. Like, really? <laughs> And and then the, you know, I was like, last year, the Super Nintendo Compendium went nuts, which was really cool, like, because people were like, oh, I can write my Super Nintendo stories. So, like, so I'm doing a Nintendo Compendium this time, so people are going to write their personal Nintendo stories. So, I'm going to do that with every one of my main series, so that way every system gets a compendium. So... So with the complete Genesis, there'll be a stretch goal to unlock the Genesis Compendium, the Sega Compendium, however I do it. Um, and after that one is done, I'll let people vote to see what they want. Now, the other thing is, were you tracking that I did a Patreon last year while I was doing my Super Nintendo book? Oh, were you? So I did the 90 and 91 Culture Chronicles last year that I released as well. <laughs> So that was a full year, a highlight of everything in gaming. Um, had interviews with Thor Ackerland and Chris Tang and Robin Mahara from 90 from the Nintendo World Championships um, and, and a couple other unnamed people that did some controversial stories. Um, That's but, awesome. But, like, I did... And then, Tang is cool. Yeah, and, oh, I did the, you know, the Tetris World Championships with Tang. I did the commentary for the finals with him at Portland. He's a really cool dude. Um and the the thing is is and and of course um what is it uh i think your character is in his game correct yeah. yuki is a a secret character in strike harbinger which strike and, harbinger uh, is an arcade game that chris tang is working on that plays really similar to like a space harrier correct yes and it looks amazing Mm-hmm. Like the actual game, I think runs out like 120 frames per second. Um, right now, they only have plans on making it for the arcade, arcade and PC. But I, I really hope it comes out to like other things. Now, I haven't asked him. Do you know if the arcade is going to be JAMA compatible? Oh, I don't know, because it's a special. Not sure, it's going to be a Unity-based game. I have no idea what the guts for a game like that is. Highly be. unlikely it won't. Then, damn, because I can have a JAMA arcade i could like man i could plug and play i could plug and play (laughs) yeah i get a neo geo cap (laughs) so i'll be like damn but um but that's the thing is like so i'm gonna let people decide but the culture chronicles like i really should get to 92 but 
Patreon, I didn't make enough to cover a print run. Like, I, I didn't even... I was barely covering 1500 which I need, like, at least five grand to do a print run. So, yeah, I was coming out of pocket, like, a couple grand to do those print runs. And I would make it up when I would sell the extra books, but it was a long sale. Because, like you, nobody really was tracking it because Patreon doesn't have the publicity like Kickstarter does. No. So, I mean, I would promote it on my Facebook page and all that stuff, but it's just not the same, so... It's hard to get people to go to your Patreon from anything, really. Like, they they have to take the actual effort, and there's no real, like... Uh, unless you're promoting it on social media, I find that people just ignore it. <laughs> they, they do. And it's interesting. It's just a different mentality because I guess they're just used to the support that they give to content producers like YouTube channel people. Yeah. And they don't realize that there are magazines on there like Nintendo Force that are doing a, a monthly magazine or quarterly or however they're doing it, but they only charge you per issue. Or like me, where I was doing the book and I would just charge per book. Well... My thoughts are, if I'm going to go back to 92, which those books are 200 to 250 pages. They're always smaller. I always do a highlight. Um, I'm going to take it to Kickstarter, and that'll be another Kickstarter this year, though. That's the crazy thing. So we're already hitting two extra Kickstarters after this one. That would be for extra ones. Now, the Culture Chronicles, I can do... Like a lot cheaper, especially if I'm going like black and white on the paperbacks, which people wanted the color paperbacks, but it costs the same almost as a giant hardcover as a tiny paperback. So I don't oh, think, wow. <laughs> yeah, the printing's insane for color. Um, that's why the books are so expensive. It's because of all the color pages. But yeah. but so like stuff like the twisted realities. Then like I'm basically gonna judge what I go to in the future based on how the um, how the people react to things. So, like, with this Kickstarter, I'm going to let people vote. Like, what do you want to see first? Do you want to see Hidden Gaming Gems, Volume 1? Do you want to see 1992 Culture Chronicles? Or do you want to see the first Twisted Realities book? And I'll let I them wanna choose. I want to see the Hagen's Alley TurboGrafx-16 Compendium. You know that <laughs> So that's going to be um, in the voting for the NES oddities. Um, Is I, it? Yeah, of course it will be, because I want to do one. Um, <laughs> if I get people to vote on it. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's all the people. I got on the cover art. <laughs> okay. Like, 100%, man. I like to use new cover artists, and as much blowback as I had from Simcoe's last cover, like, <laughs> I don't know why either. Yeah, Really? That's, that's oh my god! Because I mean, he does he does all sorts of work. Because he did work for um, John Lester with yep. uh, Sidney Hunter and Caverns of Death. And well, as far as I know, people don't get. Well, it wasn't that. Like even he did my complete NES, where it's the guy with the backward hat blowing on the Nintendo cartridge. Joe Simcoe like did that, that one. one. That one's cool. I really like that mm-hmm. one. It was that he did a Super Nintendo man that had nothing to do with Super Nintendo. It was his own creation. I uh, think that's what it was. What it was, it yeah. wasn't nostalgic enough for certain people. Right. And people probably would have wanted to have seen like Super Nintendo characters, on- or like Ganon versus Link, like the second version is going to be like yeah. just something simple. Because everybody loved the compendium. It was literally just Chrono with his hands up, like he's doing the summon, but holding the the text for the Super Nintendo compendium. Like everybody loved that. It was just one character. Like so. I'm just like okay, be simplistic. Oh, yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's pretty. 
pretty pretty simple. My favorite one's got to be the complete NES cover, though. Oh yeah, only like, because it has so many kickbacks to all these different retro characters. You know, like mm-hmm. I see little Samson on the cover and the dog from Duck Hunt, Bonk. Oh yeah, tons, man. And yeah, he like, he also did a um. He he must have been either like not as busy as he is now because he's really he's been really busy with all the political cartoons he's had to do, um, but he also did a villains collage that he did with that with that project and he did it on a oh, um, a printout and it's it's awesome like it's all the evil characters so those are all the protagonists uh, with a couple what happened back to that? What happened um, to that art? well it didn't go on a book because he did it specifically just for a print. Um, so, oh. so people got the print. I know John Lester got the print. A couple people got it, but he barely anybody backed it because I think for a small print he wanted like sixty bucks or something. It was a lot. Um, Wait, what? It was like a, like a, a per. A, yes, per. It was Jesus. expensive, and I mean, and I told him I was like at that price. He's like, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, um. I did use it on the back of the leather bound or the leather cover that um uh, I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, I brought it with me to Portland. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I and he I did put it on there and it's hand painted and hand chiseled, so Yeah. yeah. So I, I did see it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that yeah, one's that rad. That kind of artwork, that kind of stuff is cool. Yeah. Mm. So if you did a turbo graphics one, uh I I totally like to jump on that. Absolutely. I would do something similar where I would just have like a a collage of a bunch of Turbo Graphics characters. Well, and and the thing is, is that you know I'm going to eventually do every retro console and then continue to move forward because the other consoles will be retro by the time I get to them. Uh, no <laughs> so, but so so the thing is, is there's plenty to do. But like a Turbo book has not been done co- comprehensively. Wow. Um, no. And that would be great. Genesis has been done. Um. Not the way I do it. Um, 64, because people have been wanting a 64. But my thing is, number one, I don't have the nostalgia because it hasn't held up well because of the the polygon. Because it looked terrible. Well, I mean, and it's just a... It's not as artistic. But yeah. there is the guy in the UK that did it. And he did it almost my way. So I'm like, well, do I really want to retread? Like, I'll do it for comprehensiveness later. But there's so many systems that have been untouched that, like, I would almost rather jump back into a Coleco book before I jump over to the... You know what I mean? And I don't have a lot of nostalgia for Coleco, but when something has a huge homebrew community, that's of interest to me. Um, Matamont's in the chat says he'd love to do a a cover for a Virtual Boy book. Um, if I do, <laughs> if if all I all twenty games. Well, and and that's the thing. There, I would do all the all the games, all the Japanese games, the homebrew games. There's a couple of homebrew games. I have Bound High. I have a copy of it. Um, yeah, there's like that Street Fighter game too. But I, I would likely incorporate it into a Game Boy book or because like the original Game Boy would be gigantic. That's the thing. Like. And I, I want to do a Game Boy book because I, I, what, ha, what I do with these is I also learn so much about the systems. Like, I get an innate love for them. So I got more intimate with Super Nintendo than I ever knew I could. <laughs> and Virtual Boy, yeah. like, like maybe Virtual Boy could be, like, a cool, like, I could make a small book. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be expensive either. Like, it would be cool. It just wouldn't be necessarily cheap. 
And that's the or thing. You can make it part of um, another book, like say, um, well, looks yeah, like uh, Modament just said that um, he likes the Game Boy. Maybe mm-hmm. have like a, make a Game Boy book and then just have the Virtual Boy near the back. A, yeah, Virtual Boy uh, section in the back of it, and and print know, and print, print the whole book in black and white. Like. <laughs> he <Yeah>. was. <laughs> I or mean, at least that section that'd be cool. I mean, I mean, it it, it it definitely would have to be themed. Like, if if you're gonna do it, the same thing with the Game Boy book. Like, instead of having the the background, like I would like the background right now is just white. I would make it that green tint, like the <laughs> back <laughs> of the Game Boy. Like, that'd same cool. same thing. Um, yeah, and the same thing as he's saying the red paper and black ink. It would have to be a red that's not intrusive like the actual virtual boys red is though yeah and easier on the eyes that that'd be hard to read i think it it would be it's just like it was hard to play the games yeah (laughs) um but the thing is though i mean like the other thing that i was thinking is i like the master system uh, but i would do like an early sega so that i could cover the sg1000s the mark threes um is that going to be a popular book maybe not maybe but again that'll be later later not now and so like genesis will be the next focus that'll take me a year to write like once i started i haven't started the genesis yet i'm going to start it after this one um but it's going to take me a year so then you're looking at another year for a game boy book or turbo book but um turbo and neo geo are ones that i'm going to do for for me and um like Neo Geo should be an easy one too. You know, I think you'd be surprised actually at the amount of of people out there who are willing to back something like a Neo Geo book or a Turbo Graphics book simply because other people haven't done so. Yeah. You know, there there aren't any books out there, so that'd be something that you can pretty much corner. Yeah. Because nobody else has any comprehensive books on these systems. Um, there was a Neo Geo book that was pulled by SNK, and it it was on Kickstarter, it got pulled by SNK, and then there's another book that SNK backed or something. But, so, so if I did a Neo Geo book, I would have to put unofficial on it, not authorized by SNK at all, type stuff like that. And then they could still pull it down and essentially would force me into a legal battle just to prove that they don't know what the hell fair use is because they don't um but they did some stuff like utilizing the characters on the covers and things which you're not supposed to do unless it's drawn unless it's drawn the (laughs) issue that they had with with those books i'm looking at it right now it looks like um a lot of the stuff that was artwork that's copyright Yes. Used. And so that's a big no-no. So if, like, Sarumaru does his version of it, then it's parody, right. and then you're Joe Simcoe style. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's why, like, even when I was at MAGFest this year, like, there was a, a female there, and she's like, well, I'm a lawyer for video games and things. And she looked at my book, she's like, you're, you're 100% good. She's like, not to say that with your NES Oddities book that Nintendo's not going to be a bunch of douchebags and try to do something, but they legally have no grounds to. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I'm good. Because Nintendo hands out cease and desist like they're handing out candy to children. Yes. They, they haven't gotten you with either of your books. I think you're okay for yeah. other books. If you keep them in the same format, I think you're 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 yeah. fine. Third Kickstarter and they haven't touched it. It's like Yeah. So I think you're okay for anything 
that isn't Nintendo because they're like I said they're the most sensitive I think when it comes to that sort of stuff. Well, I think them and SNK. Um, I mean, I think Coleco is pretty aware of their IP. But the thing was is that the um the guest that was supposed to be on tonight was the owner of Coleco. So I like yeah. that would have been okay. Um, yes, the other Nintendo book. Um, actually, Riggs posted a picture of the other Nintendo book. I guess he got it in the mail, but they for- forced them to put unofficial on the cover. But the thing was, is it wasn't. It was the imitation logo of the seal, as Larry's saying. But also that their book initially was just giant screenshots with no text, like barely oh. any. So, so like part of what makes it fair use is my analysis of the game, like the the words in there. Like you have to write about them, and if you don't right. do that, that's where the fair use becomes. Like okay, so now you're just using their art and making money on their art that's not yours. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty bad about the individual style of, like, I don't put a little number next to every single thing that I quote where I got my research or every single piece of art that I use within, like, the accessories and stuff, like, from websites. But I do always put out that if, if I use something that I didn't give you credit, let me know. You'll have credit in every other version. Like, I, because I get lost when I start doing all this research, man. <laughs> And I put a big thing in the beginning in the copyright page just to say, hey, this is all pulled from various sources, and I've reached out to people. Because I'll, I'll send everybody a message if I'm using art, yeah. but if they don't get back to me, it's like, okay, well, if you get back to me, I will utilize you wherever you would like. If you want a page, if you want a Henshin Engine page, because I used a piece of art from you, and you want a Henshin Engine right. page in the back, we can do a Henshin Engine page in the back. Like, you know I what I mean? The you know what I mean, though. Like I'm, yeah. I'm completely like flexible when it comes with this stuff because I'm just I'm doing it all because I love this stuff, not because I'm trying to do something crazy or you know. It's it's interesting because you run into all sorts, as you know, in this community. Yep. I'm yeah. not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and then VGBS itself, like we'll sit here, we'll call people out when they're doing crazy stuff. But on the other side, those is what Lizzie wrote. Um, uh, but but my thing is is that I won't um, I won't ever just like completely dog stuff either because it's there's I like positivity and even when people troll me it's like okay well like one guy was gotta brush that stuff off yeah and the irony just was much of it the, the irony was one guy posted I think he posted a review that was on my store for a little bit and he was like when are you going to tell people that you you go to game FAQs I'm like it says it on the second page of the book if you actually bought it he didn't I'm like it says that I, I utilize tons of websites for research there's no way I can come up with because the thing is is that so say I don't reference stuff on a Wikipedia or a game FAQs or another website people will call me out on that if I mess up something. Oh, you put the wrong date. Like, okay. You're basically taking the whole purpose of these books is taking this information that you're researching and putting it in one convenient little... Yes. I think I lost you, Sarah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. It's not like you're taking that stuff verbatim anyway. Well, and, and definitely not. Like, I've... I, I sit there and everything's in my own words anyways and people don't yeah. read these days <laughs> no. yeah and and that's the thing is, is Lizzie's completely right and that's why I do the complete books minimalistically on purpose and then everything else is like personal stories because 
I like to keep things simplistic for me, and I started them be like the initial hidden gaming gems, which was called Hidden Treasures. I started that book because my original website was vgmastersclub.com. When that mm-hmm. site went down because I couldn't maintain it because I was getting a million hits a day because of the emulation in a browser, all my text-based reviews and everything went away. And I'm like, oh, well, man. I need something more permanent so that way I took everything I could salvage, um, which was I always wrote about a lot of hidden gaming gems, and I put that all to text, and that was the idea. So my thing is, is any of this stuff could go away, and especially, have you ever tried to look up like NES homebrew games before? Yeah. So, how many websites would you say <laughs> you would have to go to to find all 500 NES homebrew games? <laughs> Quite a bit. Hundreds and hundreds yeah. of sites, because because the thing is, is, like you have your Nintendo Ages and your Nest Devs for a lot of the development, so you can find a lot of them there. But then you have the HenshinEngine.coms that are going to do your own thing. You got other guys that are only doing Lumidary, um, stuff like that, where it's a gaming thing, but some of the guys will program in, in, in the Nintendo. Like, they're, they're there. Um, and you can't search those. You can't search by Nintendo. So, like, I've found and had to hunt so many random things for this. This was the hardest thing I've ever had to research because it's so fragmented. And having something like this in one spot is going to be outstanding. And I think people are really going to love it. And actually talking with Kahan Games, who's another homebrew programmer, uh, for people listening, I'm I'm assuming, sorry, you know who Kahan is, Kevin Hanley. Um, I I don't actually. No, uh, he did the incident. Um, also, the Larry Leisure Suit Larry Nintendo game uh, just oh, okay. just released Scramble on the Nintendo. Um, but basically, um, he mentioned we were at a convention in Florida called Emerald Coast Con. He was like, "Well, if you do an NES homebrew game by itself, which I could easily have a 200, 300, probably about a two hundred page book on homebrew games," he said, "If you do that." you run the risk of only the people involved with the homebrew scene primarily backing it. Like he's like you're going to get, you know, some of your people that want all your books, but then the if you put it in the Nintendo book, everybody who collects all the odd Nintendo stuff is also going to get exposed to this giant community. And right. I, I was like that's genius and it you know is. in the future with a second print run, I could split them up into separate books, but it's not going to be that much cheaper if I did that um, for the other books. I might as well just keep it at the NES Oddities. But that that's why the homebrew book doesn't have its own, but I figured it would be a, a cool a cool little aspect to it. Because the initial idea was I was going to do a homebrew book, put a section in there where people can put in their own custom stickers, and the, then the game developers could put the stickers with their games and stick them into the book. Like I was going to do some classic yeah. Nintendo stickers, but it was way too ambitious, and I don't think it would have been adopted by and people. Yeah, you, you probably would have had a lot of people just skip it just because of the fact that it, it doesn't include any anything that they might know Exactly. But at least this way, you know, people will pick it up and be like, oh, I always wanted to read about this thing. And then suddenly there's all this homebrew stuff as well that they're suddenly introduced to. So. And it mind blows them. And <laughs> yep. and so there's 
Yeah, and, and I ended up splitting it into four sections in the homebrew book because there are four distinct sections for NES homebrew, which I think exists in the others, but not to the extent of Nintendo. So, so you have your games that were only digitally released, so like on a forum. So you get a ROM that you can get. So those are generally your smaller games, but there are some big games that were only released digitally. So you have that section. You have your games that were released on cartridge. Um, some of them you probably can find a ROM, but most of them like you can go buy now. So you can go to Retro USB and buy some homebrew games, for example, or Infinite NES Lives. Um, and that'll be the same thing with Henshin Engine. You know, when that comes out, it'll be available physically. Um, so that'll fit fit in there. Then you have all those guys that do their limited edition version. So you get a special edition of an NES game that comes with a giant box and some other craziness. And, yeah. like, like, you get all of that. That's a whole section. And some of the games will be repeated in that section, but you're gonna, it's gonna be, the text is gonna be more focused on the packaging and the style and the creativity of those people that are making it, rather than the gameplay and everything. Um, there are some games that were only released limited as well, which, if you talk to any developers, that is the one thing they don't like about limited editions, is if you make it limited to where only a few people can play it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then the final one is upcoming. So that's where Henshin Engine's going. Because Henshin Engine's going in that section, because it'll be coming. And as we mentioned, the books are for history, so this will help future-proof the book, but it'll have a ton of stuff. And the irony is, I don't know if you know how quickly people make games or announce them. There's already been, I think, two or three games since I finished that section, like, two weeks ago. There's been two or three games announced. <laughs> oh, man. So I don't know if you have... Reach out to these people? The Kalwitz Gamers Adventure from last year that was at the uh, Kalwitz convention. Yeah. Um, they're doing a sequel, and it looks amazing. It's done with, like, cool graphical artwork from MT Graphics, and looks awesome. And so that's there. So I'm using that as my example as at the end. Because otherwise, if I insert Kalwitz, that goes in the beginning. I have to redo the entire hundreds and hundreds of games and, and shoot it all the way back. Um, they just asked if Henshin Engine's an NES maker thing from the New Apeit Heroes. Yeah, no, no, it's not, Modament. No, it's not. <laughs> and when he makes Henshin Engine on the Nintendo with his people, it will be a brand new NES game created from scratch or, yeah. you know, with code. or. But it, it won't be with the NES maker. The NES maker is just because we're getting sidetracked, which is fun. That's what we do in VGBS, by the way. <laughs> um, NES Maker is something that Joe Granado with the New 8-Bit Heroes, he is creating because when he was programming his action RPG, he um, was running into lots of ish small issues and he would have to spend months to fix an error. So he had a engineer come up with a GUI for Windows that he could easily make modifications that would fix a lot of stuff quickly. And that way, he's only hitting major bugs now. So it helped expedite his process since he's, you know, an amateur programmer. Um, so he's going to take that GUI program and allow people to put their own custom artwork in it and make their own action RPGs. Or when he takes it to crowdfunding, he'll, you know, create a different backend into it. So maybe like a platformer or an RPG or a shoot 'em up. So he's going to, um, you know, basically make it a NES game maker that's easy for anybody to make a game. That is not what Henshin Engine is going to be. 
Now, has that gone crowdfund yet? Because uh, last I heard, um, it was going to go to the crowdfunding like right after the con. Well, I thought I, thought I missed it. Joe Granado's the classic. Um, he's a perfectionist, just like a lot of us are. And the thing is, is that, and he made a really good point about it, that he doesn't feel right going to another Kickstarter, pulling a Inafune, going to another Kickstarter without people getting Mystic Searches first. So, oh, oh. so okay. once he releases Mystic Searches fully, not the prequel that he's working on, he's doing the prequel right. just so people know right. and can chess his game. Yeah, but we once, talked about that earlier. Yeah, once Mystic Searches is fully out, then he's going to move toward his next project. Because, gotcha. you know, gaming, okay. making games is crazy. It would be like you saying that, all right, so I'm going to go to Kickstarter with this other thing that has to do yeah. with Henshin, but you guys don't have Henshin yet. <laughs> like, yep, exactly. It, yeah. Like, we've got ideas already set, you know, but um, we have to wait to push this game out before we can actually be like, hey, support this idea now, so. Oh, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, um, and, you know, like, I'm talking about, like, doing the Twisted Realities, and this is podcast style, so it's it's niche. Like, you get some people that participate. There's thousands of people that listen on iTunes, though, so they'll hear it eventually. Really? Oh, yeah, we, we've been going, this is season three. Like, we're three years oh, in. Wow. Yeah, um, I mean, we've had Walter Day on. Um, um, Are you streaming this on the Kickstarter, by the way? Um, I am not, because I don't know how to work that thing. Oh. <laughs> the Kickstarter's live thing is, like, I only have one laptop in the house that works with it, um, and it's really bad quality, and I, I don't know, because I don't have a, a, for my Alienware Alpha here thing that I have, I don't have a um, webcam for it, so I don't have a USB webcam. If I had a USB webcam, I could do it, and then we could be streaming. Um, <laughs> that's why I started, I got with Modament and actually got the... Um, OBS going, which I'm actually recording the OBS stream, so I'm going to test that um, for for this for today, just to see how it sounds. Um, I can't, I haven't figured out how to do the streaming. I couldn't get that to work the other day. I was trying to stream Double Dragon Four, which I was playing and unlocked the Shadow Boss, and then beat the game with the Shadow Boss, which was hilarious. But um, it didn't record, or it recorded, but it didn't stream. But we've had like tons of craziness. You know, Thor Ackerlin was interviewed at a convention with me, and we sat down and talked about like his post Nintendo World Championship time that nobody ever asked him about. <laughs> Um, for YouTube, he said I need to get a stream key. I'm not a partner on YouTube. I, I was told that you have to be a partner to get a stream key for streaming on YouTube. I don't have that. Um, Twitch, I had the stream key, um, but for some reason it wasn't going live when I was clicking the button. I don't know. Um, interesting. Yeah, it just go live because I, I just started a new channel um, where I posted some of the Henshin Engine updates and I was able to go live and just did some game plan. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I might be able to, and I mean, if anybody knows, it'll be it'll be Larry over here. Um, and just so you know, us our Larry and I mentioned it last week when we were chatting. He um he actually is the guy who's doing the art for the best of NES homebrew box set. Oh, nice. So he does some amazing artwork. He's posted a few of them, a few of the pictures, and um, so that's why we say he'll do the art for the virtual. He does some really awesome art, actually. There you go. Oh, he's working on Battle Kid right now. Look at that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I like it. Oh, it looks outstanding, and and that's the thing is, is that we actually had a guy back the um box set right before I recorded. Actually, he did, another box set just went away. It might it's getting close to being sold out. Um, <laughs> overlapping images on images. That's awesome. It's like Donnie's coming out of Battle Kid, like punched through him, like One Punch Man. <laughs> Outstanding, hilarious. Um, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Oh, and then that Super U-Wall by the Mojon Twins. So, I actually have a game from the Mojon Twins that's with my box set um, here that actually they don't have released yet. And I have all the copies already because I don't know if you know much about the Mojons. Um, they're down in South America and they don't... Um, <laughs> and in South America they don't contact anybody too often like you get them in nestev a little bit when they post so as soon as i i contacted them i went through the daisy chain got to the distributor got the as soon as they said oh yeah we have these i'm like all right here give me <laughs> give me the copies i'll pay right now so i paid ahead for those games to get them Ooh. but i have super U all here which isn't available on cartridge and i have all the copies for the box set and yeah, and I have another guy that reached out to me that wants to include his game, and I think he's going to donate them to the box set. So it might be a 13-game box set. Nice. Yeah, and I was like, well, I was like, I have everything budgeted down to the T. So if you want to donate it, I hate asking that because I want to support, but I'll include it. Um, I could ask the backers if they want to add. Um, <laughs> okay, send me the character so I could squeeze it in. Um, it's a game called City Trouble, but I, he hasn't 100% confirmed because he said he wants to see how it sells first before he includes it because he's selling with Mega Cat Studios. I don't know if you've heard of Mega Cat. Have you heard of Mega Cat Studios, uh -huh. sir? Yeah. I have. Yeah, good guys. Um, yeah, so Modemat has it like that. It's going to still be a little more landscape than that picture, though, but I think he's already tracking that. Oh, wow, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, so it's like, and basically in the middle, he's going to have his text that says the best of NES homebrew um, box set. And the irony is, is the, the, the one that's Kami Killer, which was like kind of a, a funny one where you're the American flag shooting at a giant head. Um, the guy who programs it is Vetrix on Nintendo Age. He actually put my face in it now and I'm, bra I'm brainwashed by the Russians and when you shoot me and you beat me each one it says buy my book like uh, Jay Sherman <laughs> from the critic like the buy my That's book buy. so it says buy my book you capitalist pig and like every time I already have them too I have the cartridges and I did yellow and red so when you're talking about variants like there's gonna be 10 homebrew box sets and there's gonna be 5 red and 5 yellow so there's going to be variants within the variant because I'm evil. Like, it's it's just a fun little mini game. But I didn't have, you know, because I reached out to a lot of homebrew developers and I got some amazing ones like Battle Kid 2 and Get Em Gary and Haunted Halloween 86 and Aulia and um, Armed for Battle and, so, and a bunch of them. But it's like there were still some games that I didn't get. Um... And that's the thing. So, like, there's some games that I would have liked to have had, like maybe The Mad Wizard by um, Sly Dog, but Sly Dog feels bad because they don't have Black Box Challenge done yet. So, <laughs> they're, the, oh, wow. they're in that same boat as, you know, I would like to have Mystic Searches in the box set. 
Granada was a realist, though, and he's like, I'm not going to uh, have that done, so I can't commit. So the best of is the best of. Like, there's, it's not the ultimate, but it's going to be now, excellent. Could you uh, imagine once, um, what's his name, uh, Joe Granado gets his game engine thing up and running, how much more homebrew you'll be seeing for the NES? Like... I think I it's gonna it's going explode. To like, yeah, like. <laughs> well, then you can probably make your dedicated homebrew book. Well, it'll be time at that point. point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and the thing is, I can always up update and you know create a second version when it comes time. Because I mean, I am going to have to do a second version, but it won't necessarily be the NES oddities. It'll be the homebrew book with all the new games, maybe in like five years, and it'll be another. 100, 200 games at that point. Because, yeah. like, I had another book series that I was thinking about doing, which would be the best of homebrew each year. So, because I, I keep those lists myself. I document every single homebrew game that comes out for every system, and it's in the hundreds every year. Like, there's tons. Yeah. And I've already, there's, there's already over 100 this year. It's March. That's it. Like, oh. there's tons of games. Like, like, I do it just for myself, and I was like, well... I don't know if other people would be interested in that or not. Like, <laughs> let me see if there's some games that... Cause, so I call it the 2017 year in homebrew. Because I did for 2016, I just didn't do a book because, you know. So it's games that are announced that, I, that may come out this year or have come out already. So there's like Almost Heroes by Mega Cat. The Banketh, which is currently on crowdfunding. Um, which is already done though. It's on a different crowdfunder. It's uh, one out in South America, I think. Black Box Challenge should be out this year. Uh, City Trouble, uh, Comic Killer, well, starring me. <laughs> um, Cowlitz Gamer's Second Adventure, Epicade, uh, Get 'Em Gary was released this year. Get It by Peter J. Hopkins. Um, yeah. Get It. Uh, Log Jammers. I uh, I have my first um, two joint of that game. Oh. <laughs> Logjammers? Yeah. I have a, a version of it, too. The Mystic Search's Origins, Mystic Search's Scramble, Snakey, Super U-Wall, Tailgate Party, Tortoises, Zombie Jack. That's just Nintendo. And then there was the compo. You know the, the Nest Dev compo that happened? Yeah. So all those games, which there's a ton. There's like 20. And then for the Game Boy, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 Game Boy games already this year. Uh, Super Nintendo, there's Super Commando, which wasn't wasn't funded on Kickstarter. Blow Em Out by Retroscribe, which wasn't funded on Kickstarter, which they asked for I think thirty or forty thousand dollars. That that's a lot. Um, yeah. Horizontal Shooter, Sydney Hunter, and Justice Beaver should both be out this year. Uh, Unholy Dark, Unholy Night, which I don't think was funded on Kickstarter or wasn't fully funded. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, so I pre-ordered it on a website. That was why. <laughs> yeah, so well, apparently Unholy Night is doing... Um, they are going the crowdfund route for the Super Nintendo release of it. And I guess what, they're, what, what, the, what I pre-ordered, I guess, is the Super Famicom version of it. Interesting. Well, yeah, cause, you can get pre-orders of it on a couple websites right now. So here's where it's confused. Like they have pre-orders, so they are already on Kickstarter, and they've been on Kickstarter for like two weeks now. Yeah. 
and they, they were taking pre-orders like a month before that exactly so that's where the confusion is is that they're at 20 grand on kickstarter but people have probably spent way more than that off kickstarter and yeah. then they still want fifty two thousand five hundred dollars on kickstarter yeah. So I don't foresee that one getting funded unless there's a giant push somehow. But the game looks amazing. It I looks mean, really oh. good. It looks kind of slow for game like the gameplay of it. Yes, it does. Slow, but graphically, it looks really good. Yeah. And uh, the people that are working on on Unholy Night are all uh, ex SNK. Uh, veterans, they're they're all uh, old SNK employees that mm-hmm. worked on a bunch of SNK games, and you know SNK, they were like top dog back then with uh, 2D fighting games. So mm-hmm. um, Unholy Night, if if it even gets you know a quarter of what you know those SNK games were in the glory days, it's still going to be a pretty good game, I think. And just getting new Super Nintendo homebrew in that style. Is, is pretty awesome. We don't see a whole lot of Japanese homebrew for consoles. All no. Japanese no. homebrew is for PCs almost all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's only big, been yeah. a couple Japanese, um, yeah, Virtual Boy homebrew, Modemet Row, but there, there's a couple <laughs> Nintendo Japanese only ones. One's called Kira Kira Night Star that I have. Yeah. Um, there was a, a Starry Night. Yeah, yeah, Starry Night. And then there was another one that was digital only that was um, basically you used the microphone with it, the Famicom microphone, oh, wow. and you sing karaoke, and there's a girl that's running, like an anime girl, and then she avoids obstacles as you sing correctly. <laughs> yeah, like that's super crazy. crazy. Like if I had my... Um, if I had InDesign open, which I don't to save on resources, so I don't drop audio. Um, but uh, I would let you know what the name of it is. I can post it in the show notes and shoot you a PM with it. Uh, but yeah, there's there's tons of the little the Famicom style. And then there was a game from, I think it was from China. It's called Starkeeper. But he brought it for Nintendo, and that was insane because he was initially going to post it on eBay but because he's from China, they wouldn't let him do that many of, of an amount. So then he ended up just selling it on Nintendo Age. It was insane. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, On the Holy Night looks outstanding. It's crazy that it's done by a bunch of SNK employees. And like either way, that game's gonna come out. I didn't pre-order. I just went to the Kickstarter route because I didn't know about it. But like, it's it's a little little crazy to me. Yeah, it looks cool. Like it graphically, yeah. it, it looks like AAA title. Yeah, and I think and and that's just one of those things where the the homebrew aspect is is a bit nuts because if you think about it, like those guys kind of went up there with no fanfare, and because they didn't utilize like Nintendo Age and a bunch of other spots, like a lot of people didn't know it was out there. And I mean, I didn't. I just did. A Super Nintendo book with a bunch of homebrews in it, and I wasn't even tracking that game. It just popped out of nowhere. That's how crazy the homebrew scene is. You yeah. got you got guys that are working on Engine Engine. They pop out of nowhere, and all of a sudden there's PC Engine homebrew of that game. Like, <laughs> like super crazy. Um, it's rad. I love it too. And and that's the thing. Like, I love the homebrew scene because of that. Because where else do you get to? get a brand new game for the old systems, be able to open it up in this year and enjoy a brand new experience. That's that's my yeah. thing. 
I mean, just yesterday I got from MegaCat, I got Coffee Crisis in the mail. Oh, which, cool. Yeah. Super fun. Um, it's a little bit slow for me for a beat em up. Like, because like, I was playing as the female and you, you beat them up with a coffee pot. Right, yeah. I was looking at videos of that yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, and it, it looks good graphically. Yeah, it's, play, once again, it might be a little slow, but I mean, yeah. I guess it's it's hard, you know, because, like, you, you've got, with these homebrew things, you only have one programmer usually, you know, and back yep. in the day, you had multiple people working on these things. Exactly. This stuff, so you got you to gotta take it for what it is, too. You know, you, you're looking at a team of, like, I don't know, five people six people i mean our team is a team of, of our core team is four people so oh yeah you know. and you guys got a decent team and and that's the new thing that i've seen is that you have these uh homebrew teams that are popping up so retrotainment is a team mega cats a team you guys got a team like before it was just Kahan games which is kevin hanley um yeah. one one dude uh battle kid was savak the was a super bat puncher which still in my opinion is one of the best nintendo homebrews that i've played which is only a demo was one guy like i've been trying to convince him since the first book that i did to finish super bat puncher he's just he's like yeah i'll get to it eventually and so obviously i gotta talk about genesis homebrew since we got a genesis fan lizzie genesis fan um there's one two three four five six seven Eight, nine homebrews for the Genesis this year already. Got Mega Cubert, Cave Story. The guy who did Cave Story is working on a Sega Genesis port. Nice. Yeah. Mega Rock Band Manager. Um, <laughs> Mega Bargain Hunters. Um, Escape 2042, The Truth Defenders, which is a fast paced 2D action platformer. Um, he's also doing a Dreamcast port and Game Boy. Interesting. Uh, Viking Democracy and Cri- Coffee Crisis are met by Mega Cat. Uh, Handy Harvey is by Second Dimension, who just released Get Him Gary for the NES. He also may or may not have done the Fix It Felix game for the Genesis. <laughs> Neither oh, confirm wow. nor deny that he's the guy who did that. Um, <laughs> and then, that um, and then of course Tanglewood that was funded. Which I don't know if you played Tanglewood at all because they did have a demo. On their site, yeah, I saw the demo. Um, I didn't, I didn't play it. I, I did back it though. Yeah. Uh, the, again, it's a little slow, but it could be the same thing with like Henshin, where Henshin wasn't a little slow, but you've added so much to it now that it's probably yeah. going to be a different game when I play it the next time, and you know, it's just going to progress. All these games could progress to something different than the demos, because oh, yeah. the demo is just a demo. What demo is the early, early demo? So I'm sure. Um, uh, they're they're going to show us a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, I I know they they got more people on like they got another artist um, who did some work for Watermelon um, on Pure Solar. They I think oh yeah that, that that was another homebrew that transcended and is now just a new game for that system and now systems right yeah mm-hmm. and, right now systems. And, and that's how Henshin's going to be, in my opinion, is like you guys are, you know, taking the uh, the Turbo to the next level. Because Turbo, all I had was a few games like Pyramid Plunder, um, Mysterious Song, which is outstanding, and um, Atlantean. You know that Mysterious Song was programmed by Henshin Engine's programmer. I did not know that. Yep. Excellent. 
the old rover is the programmer for mysterious song he, he's the programmer around you, you, you could tell him i love the i mean i know it wasn't him but the the hilarious voice acting it's so good <laughs> it's, this is so bad it's good at voice acting yeah, and it's funny. a lot of the voice acting in that game was just people in the community people in the yeah in the turbo graphics 16 community i could absolutely yeah. tell and it's it, i love it because of that like it's it's just it's what other community than a homebrew community do you get to be involved in stuff like that like right it's just super super rad and um those are the only ones that i have though like i have atlantean as well but um atlantean was cool because they actually did a, a hue card custom like 3d printed hue, yeah. hue card that's awesome but um yeah it's there there could always be more turbo and and it's the same thing like pure solar was outstanding you got some Nintendo guys that are doing crazy stuff, like Haunted Halloween '86 is amazing with parallax scrolling yeah. and everything. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I first ran into the 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 first one at um, MGC. They were there set yep. up. They had their whole like booth set up. I, I was also at MGC. I was very intoxicated though. Um, oh, were you there that? Year? <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah, I was there last year at MGC. I was in the mid, like when you walk in in the little entryway. I actually had my books there, but it was like everybody was going to get to the cellar room so they kind of walked by me and I sold out oh man so I probably walked by you like a hundred times yeah I sold out of books I sold out of books but it was like oh yeah every time I pretty much sell out of books because it's nuts but it's just one of those things where like I was in a bad spot Are, are you going to MGC this year oh yeah so I'll be I'll be there um I think that like, I may be having I I may have the room already situated, but I'm gonna be I have a panel number one, a VGBS panel, and then the other thing is is that Overdrive Reality is gonna be there, but they're gonna be right across from where the panels were last year. Uh-huh. That's where I'm gonna be set up. They're gonna have this giant display thing with like book like with um table and the table. My books will be on the table. I'm not sure how great it'll be. But <laughs> but we'll see. I'll have fun with it either way. And yeah, it'll probably be good. Yeah. It's a fun show. I had a lot of fun uh, last year. I, I, I'm not going there uh, on an official capacity as far as, like, Henshin Engine goes because we're going to actually be having Henshin Engine. There's a Turbo Fest room at yeah. uh, PRTE. Right next so to the uh, Nintendo have. Age room. Yep. So that's where we're going to have Henshin. It's just playing all day in the nice. Turbo Fest room. And it's well, the one con that I get to go to where I'm not like actually working because every con that I've seen you at, I'm I'm working. Yeah, working well, well, um, MilesCon 2016 Bad Bitch Edition will be on display there, which is the game I made from last year when Miles in the Nintendo Age Room got drunk and came on to a security guard and got banned from Midwest Gaming Classic. What? <laughs> <laughs> that happened last year, and we jokingly said, well, somebody needs to make this into a Nintendo game. I'm like, well, I'll do that. And so um, Bunny Boy from RetroSB had this old program that was a choose-your-own-adventure program, and yeah. it was all very minimalistic style. Um, and if you scroll up, I think it's in this chat room, there's a picture of Miles above what we are doing today. So, 
There's a picture. Actually, the pictures of the cartridges are up there. So I actually have cartridges. I have 10 cartridges I bring into uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. There's red and gray. Um, and now what's different is is that the Yoda of the Nintendo Homebrew, one of the Yodas, um, Damien Yerrick, who's Teppels on Nestev, one of the guys who founded Nestev, um, I sent him the game, and he's like, oh, I can make this better. So he made me a whole GUI. And I can literally take a text file and put it into the GUI, and it'll put it into a Nintendo ROM. Cool. And he can add music and artwork and everything to the game. So, like, easily. So, basically, do you know where I'm going with this? You're going to make uh, your book series into... I can. I absolutely can take the Twisted Reality books and then make a cartridge version that's just the text as well that can go along with it. So super crazy box set. Like, yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that like with these, it's super easy to do. And like for, for that one, like I didn't even go to anybody's special. Like I literally went to the Alibaba site because I had the ROM and it's not even the finished ROM. Like, so this version is just a version where you can navigate through and there's music that plays that somebody sent me in 2005 <laughs> as a song. Because oh, wow. um, I had this Choose Your Own Adventure idea a long time ago. Um, and I had music and everything for it. Because that's when Bunny originally did, like, the um, the thing was, I think, 2005-ish. And so he put it all in there. But then afterward, he finished a few more things where there's some transitions and different songs and stuff so there's I have a more finalized version Retro World Expo in Connecticut I met Hagen there did I lose you? no I'm here oh okay it says Retro World Expo it's in Connecticut is where Matamut met me and I know I talked to Larry at a few different conventions I thought um Retro World Expo. Am I going back to Retro World Expo? Um, I will go to Retro World Expo if Lance says I can come to Retro World Expo. <laughs> that, that's always a good thing, right? <laughs> right, sorry. Like, it's always a... It's so far. <clears throat> um, for me, it's a four, three-hour drive, four-hour drive or something. Oh, that's nice. Um, I, I literally woke up at like four in the morning and drove and got there by the time the convention opened. Um, E3, yeah, no, it's two thousand dollars for a table or something. Yeah, like, E3 is crazy. Can't I mean I'm I'm just an author on that spot. So like basically my thing was last year I went to a bunch of places and it was great exposure. Um, but I went way over budget and came out of pocket because I didn't intertwine my budget with my book funds as well as I should have. So um, this year I'm only... Cons are expensive, man. They, like, they are. Every con we go to, you know, we, we're, we're paying $300, $400 a, a table for yeah. food space. So I made the decision that, that this year I'm only going to the three mains, which I include Midwest Gaming Classic, Portland, and Too Many Games is the only ones that I'll go to with expenses. Everywhere else, I'll come as a guest. So if Lance says I can come out to Rush Roll Expo as a guest, and he'll find a place on the floor somewhere for me to sleep that I can bring a air mattress or something, like I'm not picky. Um, or if I find people to room with, 
which I'll I'll split rooms and stuff. But like yeah. all that stuff adds because then I got to pay for gas too to get out there. Um, I don't have a hybrid anymore because I had a hybrid last year. Um, we traded it and now I got a gas guzzler, but it's bigger for my wife's business. Um, Delta H Con in Houston. Hmm. Um, I went to one Houston convention last year, and it was the Retro World Series in Houston. It was a video game tournament. And I helped the guy who was running it. Um, met him at Let's Play in Texas, in um, Plano, Texas, and basically the guy who ran it, he did an awesome job. But it was tiny. And my brother lived in Houston last year. He moved now to Georgia, but he lived in Houston for years. So I went and stayed with my brother that weekend while I was out in Houston. Um, the big one in Houston, though, I think, is the Game Chasers one, right? Is it? I don't know. Retro Palooza. I think it's coming too. That, it's com- that might be the the better show to go to though. Um, well, Delta H Con. What is this? Like a pop culture? Thing? Well, I've I've heard that if I go to some of these pop culture ones, that my books are going to destroy because when you go to a normal gaming convention, everybody's looking for games and then they see mine, but they didn't budget for it because they didn't know about it. So then mine's like, uh, oh, yeah, I need to get that. And then they'll go to my site, which is great exposure. But if I go to one of these anime conventions and they're going there with more of a generalistic thing, I, I've been told by a lot of people I need to hit up anime cons. Um, uh. my, my other thing is, is, and you know this, conventions are time-consuming. And they are. it pulls you out of your weekend progression um, for yep. me, four days, like which is a lot, especially when I work. I during... have to take. Yep, I take my work with me everywhere I go. I have to bring my my Surface and my keyboard, and I just I continue to work. Yeah. Uh, when we're doing the cons, I'm in the room. I'm doing work. I'm doing sprite work in the room, or working on the comic, or whatever I need yeah, to do. Yeah, have, have to. to you yeah. have to because it takes so much out of your out of your schedule. Yeah. Uh, when we were first doing them, we I wasn't doing any work. I was just going to the cons. And I was like, man, I could be doing, you know, working on the game these four days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started working on stuff as as I go to these cons, and you, you kind of have to do that. Oh, you absolutely have to, and it's it was like it was pulling me out of doing the the book work, and I was literally sitting in airports when I was going out to like Portland and other places doing manual editing my books while I'm waiting for flights. Like, it was yeah. hilarious. And, like, I'm sitting Indian style with my giant 500-page proof going through it. People are like, what is that? <laughs> and then, of course... usually why, like, during cons, I don't do, like, the after-con stuff. A lot of people will go and they'll hang out, you know, for hours or whatever. And I usually don't join them for that stuff. So I usually just head back to the room and start working on stuff. Yeah, I, I, always, I always go to the after-con stuff, but it's one of those where... I try to be productive, but I'm not always, yeah. but I mean, I rarely do unless I'm with like, like I have like a friend, you know, who I can talk to for the majority of the night, then I'll go. But usually I don't, I, I don't go to those. I'll have to, I'll have to drag you out, parties. have to drag you out at a few of these ones. Um, the, the thing <laughs> is, is that, man. yeah, I mean, we all kind of are though. Like we got type A personalities, but we like our reclusiveness too. It's a, yeah, I wasn't. At, I actually just became a recluse after Henshin Engine. Yeah. I was all about going out and doing all the social stuff. And then <laughs> when Henshin Engine came along, it's like, well, I got to sacrifice something. 
Yeah, it's you gotta get a little serious. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough, and um, I mean, my thing is is that what I really like about the Twisted Reality series is I can literally have a notepad with me and just write out the narratives whenever I come up with ideas. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have to bring much with me in terms, and I can always work on something. And my key is is little by little is how I do everything. So like every day I make sure I knock out a little bit of the oddities book, for example, when I was working on it. Um, and some days I'll be motivated and I'll work on it for hours and hours. Um, and it's the same thing while I'm writing these Famicom ones is that as I write a full letter's worth of reviews, then I make sure that I jump over and, and write a bit of the narrative for the Choose Your Own Adventure or other things. Um, the other thing is I have a commission I'm working on too, which is not a commission because I'm doing it for free from for Walter Day. <laughs> the history of... Yeah, it's the history of arcade and competitive gaming that I'm doing for Walter Day. Like the, um, it, It's going to be kind of like the compendiums, but it's going to focus on his card series and then all the people that have gotten cards for the first year. So, like, interviews with everybody in the community. Like, Tommy Tallarico is going to be interviewed. Like, oh, nice. Bunch of people, like, that have already agreed. And, like, he just got me all of the high-quality art. Now, once I finish the oddities, i got to move toward the Genesis, and i got to work on that one concurrently for him. And I'm not charging him because, um, like, literally I met Joe Simcoe from a Twin Galaxies event twice removed like everything through Walter like giving me a little bit of um, you know exposure everything I've been been able to get out there like as I have just because I've met so many people so man Madamon's on it today wow Um, so quick so and that's the thing so like I was literally in the Guinness Book of World Records for a, a Twin Galaxies meetup that I that we did um, in Atomo we, we redid the Life Magazine shoot from the uh, the 80s and I was in that reshoot on, on one of the arcades next to Billy Mitchell and <laughs> I was oh, I was in Twin Ga- I was in the Guinness Book of World Records like so from Bad. yeah and that was me getting my first Twin Galaxies card because of Hidden Treasures my first book that nobody knew about or bought because it was published in Europe um, like insane and he just said thank you for your contribution to history um, and the thing was is that like at that event so many people there had so many amazing like stories on video games back in the day it kind of like was like man i need to get everybody's stories out there and then my books started doing stories on the nintendo or super nintendo but like i want to do that for walter's book and i i wanted to do my own history of competitive gaming and just do it with my narrative but i'm like walter wants me to do one for his cards so why don't i just do one about the entire community you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'd be super cool, and so I'm gonna work on that. But I want to finish. I gotta finish the stuff that. And I told Walter that is the uh, first thing I gotta do is get stuff that's in crowdfunding done. <laughs> that's uh, the yeah. that's get the that main out thing. Out of the way. Yeah. yeah. If I if I take 92 to Kickstarter, that'll be a a two month turnaround. Because um, I can the Culture Chronicles, just like the compendiums, like it's all personal stories, so it's not 
difficult to write because I'm not researching. It's all personal thoughts. Um, it's easy to write with that aspect. Right, um, but a lot of people have already written that stuff, you know. Well, so, exactly, and and my, mostly editing. And and my thoughts are, you know, for the the compendiums, it's stories, but I'm also writing tons of craziness, and then. I'm not going to recreate the wheel. So if somebody's already done like a book on something, I'm going to do it a little different, just because. And so, so those are where it'll be um, interesting when I go through. Like, but 92 will take a couple months. Um, it'll be even less for the uh, the hidden gaming gems. But my thing is, is that so the compendiums, right? Um, I can still offer people the option to write their own, like their own stories. Yeah. And I'll just include it in the book since the book is 350 to 400 pages. Like, I can have 100 pages of reviews still from people because 500 is about the max that I can do for a, a book before it becomes ridiculously expensive. So, basically, with the the hidden gaming gems book like that'll be another easy one so while those books like those books i can work on those on the side while i'm finishing up walters and the genesis book which means i'm a nut because i'm working on a ton of stuff i see the saru maru style now two-day pass <laughs> i just don't see yuki in there i'm just disappointed <laughs> this is this is old so so old it's like a year ago <laughs> gotta love it <laughs> yeah activities pre uke <laughs> yeah I don't know if there's any other um artwork that Jim has done for I thought he just did a Sonic a new one but maybe not he did one of my dog Scrappy because um, one of the um, characters in Twisted Realities is going to be Scrappy, which is my my Chihuahua. But he's gonna be. I'm gonna have him have like a little dog that comes by. So there's that that Jim drew. Looks just like that my dog. Cute. Looks just like my dog. That's I've the, seen your dog. Yeah, <laughs> like that looks just like him. And so so basically that's gonna be the the forever scrap. And I like that picture you just posted because you got the um got some turbo in there too it's great oh puppy puppy. but um that's the thing though is that like with with making books is that everybody else does besides for kurt colada i don't know if you know kurt um everybody does books slow besides for kurt and myself (laughs) kurt colada does hardcore gaming 101 oh yeah 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 i um i wrote i wrote a in a couple of his books last year, um, did oh, like cool. I, it was just like some atmospherics. Like he just asked for testimonials for the back, which it's I was like absolutely I'll do some testimonials. It was really cool. Um, I'm, I'm in the Shoot 'em Ups book and the History of Sega Volume Two book, and he's in the Ninety One Culture Chronicles, <laughs> the one the cover that I posted, and he'll be in. Um, I think he'll be in the Nintendo Compendium for sure. It's just one of those things where um, it's super fun to do all these books, too, you know? And just like when you're doing the games, it's just when you get into a game like Henshin, like, it's it's a long haul. Yeah. A lot of firsts with this game, too. Like, just 
learning the ropes right now, but at least I know what not to do also with our next game project. <laughs> I, you, you know I've learned so much of what not to do. It's It's been amazing. Yep, you just gotta do it and then you <laughs> yeah. know, get beat up a little and I, I have I have a very big vocal minority, especially since we had our um my my, my number one fan who uh, who has a much larger following than I do and decided to do something similar to me, <laughs> and so like because all of his fans they they go nuts. It's hilarious and classic though. Our my my number one fan is a lot of people call him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, you, every, a of yeah, but my my thing is is that people always ask me, and I'm like, number one, I don't care. It's cool. Like it's, I do my books for, you know, I did my books initially for me, and now um I'm doing like series because people are enjoying them. Like, well, I'm just gonna keep going through enjoyment. Yeah, that um I've seen a few pictures of what Larry has done with this game that he's working on. Um, it definitely reminds of Mega Man. I think it has to do with the short stature with the big eyes and bigger head. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Just the hands and the eyes and, like, how big the legs, like, get at the end, you know, like, they taper. Well, you have that Mega Man legs, basically, with little dots and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 definitely different enough, too, that it's its own thing. Yep. It's super rad. Yeah, and it'll be... What, what type of game is it going to be, Larry? Is Mega Man influenced his style? Is it going to be an action platformer? Maybe. <laughs> it's and that's the cool thing is, is like RPG platformer. Ooh, I like that. Like Zelda Two. Yeah, Zelda Two or East Three. Excellent. Yeah, East Three is an excellent example. One done right. Yeah, and you should keep that first temple remade and just do it in your own style and then like make kind of like a tribute type thing. It's kind of like this game Henshin Engine that we were talking about that is some tribute levels. <laughs> yeah, mostly PC Engine or Turbo Graphics tributes. I absolutely. I mean, it's the only way to fly, right? Yeah, but I mean like some of the games are like multi-platform, you know, like you have Wonder Boy. Oh yeah, absolutely. You definitely have some that just transcend consoles and generations and super fun. Um, oh wow, that looks pretty um, solid. Yeah, that's cool. Is that like for like Game Maker stuff maybe? Yeah, it's, it's Game Maker for sure. I think he said he's working on a bunch of Game Maker stuff, yeah. There's a lot of guys at um, MAGFest that were working on Game Maker stuff, and it was like the guy that I met that did a full sequel to Final Fantasy 4 or 6, one of the Super Nintendo ones, and he redid all of... He did his own custom soundtracks, and he had the soundtracks available um, and Super Nintendo cartridges with the soundtracks only, but he didn't have but he didn't have the games on Super Nintendo. They were only on PC, and I'm like, ah, oh, he's like... I, He's like, oh, I did him a game maker. I'm like, you need to get him ported so that way I can play these on Super Nintendo. Yeah, I looked into the like, I bought like all the game maker stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna make games on PC. And then I opened it for like two seconds, and I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna stick to art. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all I'm really good at. And, well, maybe this, someday I'll find a programmer. The thing that I like about the homebrew community is that you know I'm a physical collector, so it. 
to me, and it, it's the same reason why I'm doing books, printed books, and I'm not doing even this one, I'm not doing a digital copy. It's because it's history, it's palatable, it's something that could be carried on beyond my, even my own time. And that's the same thing with Henshin, it's going to be physical. Even your demos are something that could be carried on and passed along because people preserve things that are trend, not trendy, but like cultural. So that's what it is, it's cultural. Um, and that's what I like about that stuff. Like, I'm assuming with Game Maker, you could probably put it on a disc and eat for Windows and stuff. So you could still do that, which is excellent. Um, I know somebody made me uh, another AM2H or another Metroid 2 remake, AM2R. They made me a physical copy, even though I don't have a um, disc on my computer to read it. <laughs> but I somebody made me a copy and sent it to me. But it's like, so it can be done for, you know... Windows 2. It's just that with the old systems, then when Henshin comes out, it's another game in the TurboGrafx library. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's the thing, is I think that making a game for a retro console retains a certain value to it, um, a certain rarity. I think it's an intr- it. and it's also an intrinsic nostalgia Delge of value is how I like to put it because we all had the experiences that we had with the systems back in the day combined with nostalgia that we're building as we go on so even when we go to these conventions it's new nostalgia so it's like it's a it's a combination and I mean it was in Joe Granado's um new the new 8-bit heroes that somebody said that even when, when somebody, I think it was Dane Anderson from Nintendo Age, said, uh, when somebody's programmed for Nintendo, they're programming and adding their game to the history of that system. And so, like, you love the PC Engine and Japanese games, so you're going to have a game that's going to be another addition to that legendary console. And if it's not just a demo and it's a full game, it literally rivals what is on the system. That's where a lot of homebrews have been crazy, and I've had to... I started with the Super Nintendo one. Um, I used Hearts. This time I think I'm just going to use Symbols of Hagen's Alley of ones that I recommend. Because with 500 homebrews, like, it's going to be tough to sift even through that list. Yeah. Um, but, like, in the digitals, for example, there's a game called Streamers for the Nintendo. I don't know if you heard of that one. Uh-oh. Streamers is one of the best NES homebrews. Um, it ended up being on Action 53 Volume 1 as just one of the games on there, but it is literally a comprehensive game. Because um, Streamers was a game on the Action 52 that was really shitty. It was like a little circus thing. This guy took it, gave it a, I don't know, Bionic Commando style with like a military background, a whole story, multiple different modes. Like the game is ridiculously outstanding um it has the same gameplay mentality from the original streamers which is crazy but it works well now <laughs> yeah i'm i'm looking at the action 52 version of it uh-huh it, that one looks a bit use it with a now put it with a z streamers with a z and put nes homebrew there it is oh yeah and it rivals anything that was on the Nintendo back in the day. And it's like foxgamecompany.com or something like that. But like the, nice. the, the game is awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks looks good. And so that game was never like there's a picture of a cartridge that somebody I think just put the ROM on, but I don't think it was ever released as a um Shame. individual release. And I've I've talked to the program and he's like, Well if somebody picks it up, like I'm like, Shit, I might pick it up. Like it's awesome. It needs to be released. Like it's just it's un yeah. it's unfortunate. Like there's tons of games like that that are digital only or part of a multi cart and just not you know released and that's where I want to do is maybe if I star the right ones maybe one of these guys that's Infinite NS Lives or Retro USB that's a publisher and has all the game parts that can do these games a little more affordably than me um, and I don't want to get into game publishing anyway so I do books I don't have as, as we've been talking I got too many projects as it is um, right. but like maybe they'll look at those and go oh maybe I can contact this programmer and then we get to see it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's a yeah. way to get, you know, that whole network intertwined. And it's just the only thing is, is I, you know, might have a few guys that are like, well, why didn't you pick my game? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's personal. It's not personal, but it's personal. No. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things where you can only pick so many, but there's... Yeah, there's. Like th- don't like your game. There's, there's not 500. There's 560 um, games. <laughs> yeah, like the ones that I haven't added yet that came up. Um, there is. Let me see. Not Henshin Engine. You're orange. <laughs> uh, orange means I don't have the art for it yet. Uh, Kalwitz Gamers Second Adventure, um, which is coming up. And then the other ones that were announced that have I haven't put in there yet. A game called Prez, you're the president. <laughs> um, a game called Wrecked, which is a joke game um, that Vetrix, the same guy who did the Comic Killer game, is doing. One called Ramsey's Game. That yeah, there's just those are all announced after I already finished the section out. So now I gotta hunt down the information for those. It's like. Looking through my list, like I have everything green though. Green means good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of green. Ready to go. Yep. Um. So let's uh wrap up the podcast. We've been going for a little bit now. Actually, it's been been fun. Um. Yellow means slow. That's right. Or my daughter would say, yellow means go faster. I <laughs> 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 got her. Got the wife. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah. So. Basically, we did a lot of rambling and fun, and that's what VGBS is all about. Um, this will probably just be a um, what we call a side quest, since Kyle wasn't a part of it. Um, we we have a whole side quest section. There's I think there's 13 or 14 episodes of side quests. It'll, it, it's all on HagensAlley.com. So we already have 65 edited, and I'm posting 60. So episode 60 is the Vic Tokai Quadrilogy, Kid Cool, Psycho Fox, Decapitech, and Magical Hat for the Mega Drive. So that's all by Vic Tokai. So Kid Cool. Which is like all the same game. <laughs> and Psycho Fox is a little bit better. De- and Magical Hat is a little bit better. And Decapitech is... They, like, they kind of upgraded everything as they went. So yeah. now... I like Psycho Fox. Um, that's that's initially what we were doing for our we call it bullshit homework, and um, then after we beat that, we we're like, wait, this is a lot like 
Decapitech. Then we looked, I typed in Decapitech Psycho Fox, and then we saw all the others, and I'm like, well, we should just play them all, because I don't ever want to play a Kid Cool only. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the, the problem with Kid Cool is it, it's just the momentum system. Makes it difficult. Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. I like Kid Cool, actually. Well, if you played Psycho Fox first and got used to Psycho Fox, because I actually went, before I went to Kid Cool, I beat Psycho Fox. Um, it's you can play Kid Cool at that point because you already know how to play it and it plays really well. It's just that trying to play some of this stuff, ah, trying trying to play it like without um from from fresh. Like if somebody just picks up Kid Cool like the angry video game nerd and plays it, he's gonna be like, "This is garbage." Oh crap! Yeah, I, I, Kid Cool was the first one I played, and then I played Psycho Fox, and I liked Psycho Fox better. Well, uh, Kid Cool is cool. Kid Cool was cool. Kid Cool is cool. Well, the, the problem that I don't like about Kid Cool is the scrolling upward. Yeah. So, like, basically, when you go to the top of the screen, it the whole screen, it like, does, does a hole. flick. Whoop. Yeah, it does a flick yep. screen, which... It's and, gross. Yeah, whereas Psycho Fox does a, a scrolling. So it's does smooth. So does Decapitech. So Magical Hat nobody knows about, which is crazy, because Magical Hat is literally a sequel to, like, Psycho Fox. Plays the same. I never played Magical Hat. And it's the exact same game as Decapitech, except for they added a life bar to Decapitech and changed all the graphics to be like horror style, like horror movie style. What was Magical Hat for? Uh, the Mega Drive's Japanese only Genesis. Yeah. Is that just the Japanese version of Decapitech? Um, it is, but if you look at a screenshot, it's completely like anime style. Yeah. But I figured it was just a Japanese decap attack. And I think it was made off of an anime, too. It's like Magical Flying Turbo Hat or something like that. Magical Hat no Butobi Turbo. Yeah, he's wearing a turban. And if you look at it, like, you can see the decap attack in it, which is also like Psycho Fox. But he actually has the little buddy like you do in Psycho Fox. Like, it's the same guy. Like, you can see it on his back. And That's cute. Yeah, it's got like a little egg. But, I mean, the thing is, is once you play Magical Hat and then you go to Decap Attack, some, it's actually hard to get used to some of the graphical changes because they, they're, it's pretty tough to tell where some platforms are. Yeah. Very interesting. But, yeah, it's one of the episodes that we're, we're doing. Pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I like to use the same engine pretty much for all of the games. I mean, it's the same programmers for sure. Yeah. 